Good morning, everybody. To God be the glory. Seems like we've been gone more than we've been here lately. Amen. But it's good to see you all this morning. What a blessing to be able to sing to the Lord, even if you, like myself, can't sing at all. But the Bible says, make a joyful what? That's right. God is not restricted when it comes to his children singing. We may have to turn on that air conditioner after all. Somebody close the door. Can you get the air conditioner, please? As I look out there this morning and I was listening to Deacon Amelia talk about taking the time and thank God and don't just take life for granted. Three o'clock this morning, I was before the Lord and I was broken before God this morning. I, I was looking at my life and comparing to his holiness and the things that I had done wrong and but Jesus kept taking me back to one thing. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One of the things that we have to remember, because sometimes Christians, we're too hard on ourselves. That day when John the Baptist identified Jesus for the first time in scripture, we see that being identified as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, two disciples were with John, didn't know that that day Jesus had already picked them to be his disciples. And those two disciples were the younger brother of Peter and John himself, the younger brother of James. And these men did not know what role that they would have in a future church. They didn't know that they would be part of an everlasting kingdom that will build a church that will last against the gates of hell. They will hear Jesus tell them, through Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The kids sung a song this morning about his war. It's war. Yes, it is war, everybody. It's a real war. And I'm here to tell you, this war, this unseen war, is taking real casualties. That's why every day the doors of hell are opening up and swallowing in souls because there's a real war. And the people out there, they don't want to hear that there's a real war. But however, there are some who do want to hear. And we have to tell them that just as much a man can stand across the street and shoot at you with a rifle, so can the demons of hell shoot at you with all kinds of mischief and all kinds of rhetoric to get you to sin against God. I know I'm talking fast. But you got to understand what the Lord was doing with me this morning. As the Lord showed me things in the spirit this morning, how even the most heinous sinner can end up in the gates of heaven as a son or daughter of God because of Jesus. Amen. What Jesus did on the cross far exceeds anything that we can ever imagine. We don't know the full picture of what the lake of fire is like. We don't know what everlasting punishment is like because we don't have anything on earth to compare it with. As far as we know, when a man dies, we plant him and that's it. That is far as our human understanding goes. But God said it's something far beyond that. And Jesus 
One of the things that it was showing me this morning, and it was so marvelous, and it's right on key with what you were saying this morning, is that don't fix our eyes on life circumstances only. Fix our eyes on Jesus, because he's the one that matters. Uh, I, I begin to question God there for a period and ask God, how can a loving father do so much harm to his son? But it said to me, son, that which appeared to you to be so ugly and so bad, look at the results, look at the end results, look at what's so beautiful and so wonderful and the marvelous in the eyes of God. Paradise in the future of full of sons and daughters of God by the millions, millions upon millions of saints. Don't let anybody put this garbage in your head that it's only going to be a few thousand or a few million saved. No, the Bible says there's a number that no man can what? Number. Okay, what do you think that means? You can't number it. That's what it means. And so, I want to encourage you. I want you to think about the worst person that you know right now in High Springs or wherever you live. And I want you to think about what that person may have done to you or to some friends or to a family or to someone else that you may be aware of. And then I want you to pray. Because what God sees in that person is not what you see with your human eyes. What Jesus did on the cross, his blood can take a person that is so bad, so corrupt, and transform that person to someone so beautiful, so glorious, that can stand in the presence of God. And I'm here to tell you that you can take the, the most morally upright person, everybody, and stand that person before God, and that person will still be corrupt if they don't have Jesus. Okay? Because when Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again from above, he absolutely meant it. That means that we are brand new creatures. And last night, for the first time in my earthly understanding, when Jesus in his prayer, when he was praying right before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, what he said to his father is absolutely mind-boggling. He said, Father, I pray for these. He says, just as I'm not of this world, they are not of this world. And you're thinking, wait a minute, we were born here. We, we come from here. He said, no, when you're born again, you're no longer from this what? From this world. But you're from heaven above, strictly all the way from the heart of God. That means you are brand new, fitted for, outfitted, shaped and molded for the kingdom of God. Not temporarily, but for what? Forever. God says, you're mine, not yesterday and not tomorrow, but forever you belong to me, said the Lord. And one of the things that God said to the prophet Isaiah, and please don't forget this. Everybody take a look at the uh, handprint on your hands. You see how close and personal those are? No fingerprint is alike. Am I right, Mr. Dave? God said, although we are uniquely designed by here, each one of us are completely different. He said, yet you're like the handprint on my what? On my hand, you belong to me, said the Lord. And let me tell you, when you belong to God, as Jesus said, can no devil in hell snatch you out of the hands of God. In John chapter 10, Jesus gives us these powerful words of encouragement. He said, no one is able to pluck you out of my hands. And then he went on to say, Father, in that same context, he said, my father is greater than I, and no one is able to pluck you out of my father's hands. Let tell you, what did I tell you? I don't care what the world have you to do if you belong to Jesus you're not going anywhere amen
That means, Shelly, people that get on your nerves so bad, if they have proclaimed the name of Jesus and God's spirit is living in them, give them a little while longer and watch what the Holy Ghost do with them. Watch the spirit of God transform an ugly life into a life that is so gorgeous and so beautiful to God. And when that person prays, you, this is what hard to imagine, Tamara, is that you can hear a person that curse so bad, you go, oh, the garbage and filth coming out of that person's mouth. But when that person gets saved and give their first praise to God, you know what God received? The Bible said that the praises of God's people is like a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. So when that person prays to God, when that person is praising God, all of a sudden the sweet flavor comes up into the nostrils of God and God looked down and he he wants more. You know how it is when you, you're a baker, you know how it is when that kitchen, when the oven is just radiating with that aroma of the good things, the sweet things that you're baking. My wife can bake some good stuff. Lord have mercy. That's why I'm the size I am today. But can you imagine though, every one of us when we're praising God, all that good stuff that's going up in the nostrils of God, what God must feel. And just like our earthly senses trigger us to, to, to want to taste more, want to smell more, God desires more and more praises of his people. The more we give it, the more he wants it. Amen? Amen. I was sitting there listening to Mr. David and, and, and Sister Vicky play. I really wasn't listening to Shelly them sing because I don't know what they were singing today. Well, hallelujah, but they were singing something because I was listening to the screams and the chords that was being played and I'm wondering, going, when did the angel come down and begin to play ivory keys and begin to play, you know, those screams like that? And, and, and it is wonderful to praise the Lord, everybody. And it's great to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. I know I just talked 3,000 words to you in about two minutes. That's because something has happened on the inside of me in the wee hours of this morning. And I want you to know what's going on on the inside of me. I also want to be going on on the inside of you. And God, by the Spirit, is available to every person. Like Paul told those Greeks in Athens on Mars Hill, he said, though you grope for him, He's not far from every one of us. All we got to do is reach out and what? Touch him. Remember the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. You remember what she said? Only if I can do what? Touch the hem of his what? Garment. That means, Shelly, she was pressing and there was a crowd around Jesus. Every now and then when life circumstances pushes you back like a crowd, you got to press your way to Jesus and you got to reach out with everything in you. And you got to grab hold of the Lord's garment. And when you do, his virtue and his virtue alone will come into you like it did to me this morning in the wee hours. The virtue of God came into me as I was laying on the couch crying out to God. My wife didn't even know this was going on, but I don't know for how long it was. I was before the Lord. Anybody ever felt lonely before, even though you're married and got kids and all, and yet you feel lonely? Everybody, anybody, any witnesses in here? Well, you see, you know what's happening? I don't know. I haven't even got started, haven't even prayed, but do hear me. Hear me well this morning. That's your spirit crying out for God. When you get that lonely, you're saying to your Father in heaven, where are you? Where are you? 
And it's a beautiful picture like the Song of Solomon. Anybody ever read that book? The Song of Solomon? Let me encourage you to read it. You remember the Shuamite woman? How she was looking for her lover? And she was so in love with him that she couldn't find him. But everybody, do y'all know what she did? The Bible tells you and I that she went to the streets in the middle of the night. And she was looking and she was searching and she was asking people, have you seen my lover? And you know what? She had no idea, Dick, that he was hiding among the guards of the city upon the wall. He was there all alone watching over her, making sure she was safe. That's God. God said through the prophet Isaiah, I mean, Jeremiah, he said, all who search for me with their what? Whole heart shall find me. He said, you shall call upon me and I will answer you. That's what the Lord said. If you don't believe me, read in Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 10 and I'll go all the way down to verse 13 and you'll find out God is encouraging you and I to call on him from a true heart. Trust the Lord with your heart. Will you do that today? Let's get ready to go before the Lord in prayer. And then we'll get in the word of God. Anybody heard the word of God already? <laughs> so to God be the glory. Boys, put your clipboards down for a moment. Go ahead and put them down just for a moment. I know you're eager to go with what Miss Nelson have you doing. And I think it's a brilliant idea. And as we get ready to pray, we're going to pray for Miss Vicky. We're going to pray for Miss Marie. And God's going to touch. We're praying for a complete healing of Crystal, who just brought forth life into the world. Horn Mitchell, uh, uh, the parent of a brand new baby daughter. Michael got a little sister. Juliana got a little sister. And to God be the glory, a new family member all the way from heaven on earth. Amen. Amen. And to God be the glory. Every, every head bow now. Every mind relax before the Lord. Imagine the Lord Jesus Christ is right in your midst. He's sitting right there and you can see him sitting on the ivory throne in heaven. What would you tell Jesus right now? Will you tell him, Father, will you touch Miss Vicky right now? Go ahead and tell him in your heart as, I'm, as I call this out to you, as I present the scenes of heaven to you. Will you tell him, Lord Jesus, will you touch Miss Vicky right now? You don't have to tell him why he already knows why. Amen. Ask her, Lord Jesus, will you strengthen her right now and make her whole again? Because by your stripes, she's healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for healing her. And Lord, will you go to the little farm place and touch Miss Marie? She's been laid up for a couple of days, Lord Jesus, with this thing called a cold. Will you rebuke that virus in her body and strengthen her? She's one of your strongest advocates. Will you bring her back, Lord, full of vigor, full of joy, full of strength and the Holy Ghost? And Lord, will you heal up Krista's womb where she brought forth her child? Will you strengthen her body right now, Lord God? And will you cover the baby in your spirit? Will you know that precious little one right now? And Lord, will you draw Mitchell closer and closer and closer than ever before? 
And for Micah and Juliet, will you give them the heart to love you continually like they've been doing, Jesus? And for all your children that's present, Lord, will you touch them in this hour? Will you touch each and every child? We're not rebuking them, Lord Jesus. We're not preventing them. We are presenting them to you. And Lord, will you receive them now? And for every person, every adult that's here now, Lord, will you touch us? Will you purify our hearts, our mind, our soul, our bodies, and above all, our spirits? Will you help us to be pure before you and fill us afresh with your anointing, O God? For we're here for you and not for ourselves. Have your way today in our lives, Lord. And we want the ungodly to see the, the radiant beauty of Christ shining forth from us like the noonday sun. Will you have your way in our lives that we can be your living testimonies on earth? And then, Lord, do not allow our tongue to cleave to the roof of our mouth, but loosen it to be your witness, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And will you watch over Israel in this hour, O God? Will you strengthen Israel? Will you bring salvation to Israel? Will you open their eyes to see that Messiah Jesus is real and that they don't have to wait any longer? He has already come. And Father, for our president-elect, Donald Trump, will you be with him and give him the wisdom of heaven? Will you guide his heart, O oh God? Will you instruct his lips on what to say? And will you move his spirit as one with your spirit? And will you write your word upon the table of his heart so that when he speaks, he will speak wise words from above and not from words below? And O oh God, for his family, will you cover them in your spirit? Will you cover them in your blood above all, Jesus? Will you save them? And Lord, will you allow your angels to be encamped all around them and protect them, O oh God, as you give him the wisdom and guidance he needs to move this country forward in the next four years. He put out a blood, Lord, that we need God back in the White House. He's right. Father, forgive us for sinning against you and our leaders for sinning against you. This man, I believe, Lord God, wants to do what's right in your sight. Father, will you help his wife be able to stand against the wiles of the devil that keep bringing up her past, Lord? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus, you have forgiven us. You have taken our sins away. Lord, strengthen her in this hour is too. And now, oh God, for our wives here, strengthen them too. Strengthen them, Lord. They're precious to us. And for every husband that's here, Lord, help us to be the man of God that you want us to be and the father and husband that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You played so wonderful. Now, I want to give you a backdrop what's going on. If you would have read over in the chapter 26 of the Gospel of Matthew, you will found out that Jesus is only a couple of days away from Passover. That means that all the gates of hell is close by. That means that he's about to undergo some suffering that the world has never encountered before. Surely men have been beaten, men have been crucified, but nothing like this. You see, whereas before men were killing men, this time hell has shown up 
for this man. Are y'all getting this? And what's so powerful about this sermon or this teaching known as the, as the Olive Discourse, Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25. As we go into chapter 25 today, he's going to use two powerful parables to tell you and I not to get ready, but to stay ready. Amen. That's what these two parables are about. If you look at them very closely, you'll find out that he's talking to saved people. Okay? And when you get to the part about the ten virgins, that means, Shelley, that they had already been what? Called. They've already been told to prepare themselves to come to the wedding. But for some reason, we'll see that they fixed their eyes on the things of this world and they did not make themselves ready by having enough oil. And we're going to see what that represents by having the oil in their lamps. What does that mean? Okay? And then the other part, the end part, is not a parable, but it is a fact that the Lord Jesus Christ wants every person in here to know. It is the ongoing work of the church. The last part of this chapter is something that the church itself must be doing. We don't get to pick and choose what part of this, what we want to do. And sadly to say, because of fear, we actually choose just portion of the last part of this chapter, what we want to do rather than obeying its entirety. So when we look at this, is he concluding his future telling of what's going to happen to Jerusalem and the world, we're going to see these men called disciples gathered around their teacher. And I imagine at this point in time, they're wondering, whoa, a couple of little questions end up opening up a floodgate of what the future looks like. What better person to have you, you know, tell you what the future looks like than God himself. That's right. <laughs> the one who wrote the future. That's right. Amen. And so that's what we're about to see as the Holy Spirit open our eyes to the last part of this. And also, just as a reminder to let you all know that Christmas is on a Sunday. We're not missing church because you want to open some presents. Open them here. <laughs> Amen. That should be a glorious day of celebration because after all, we say that's his what? His day. Amen. So I couldn't think of no better place than to celebrate Christmas than in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And one final note as we get ready to go on into the word of God. I want to do a teaching Tuesday night and I hope all of you show up including the Jones family. I'm going to show you God's plan for high springs. And that means that every person needs to be here. Because it's time for WOC to go to work. We can no longer be dormant. God has sent us here to this town for a reason. Every one of us that's here is not here by coincidence. We're here by divine appointment. And it's now time to go to work. And God has removed all of your excuses. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Okay. The town has been divided up into four quadrants, and each quadrant has 
its own director. And it's time to go to work. Amen? Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 25. Let's see what the Lord God has in store for us. And the first thing we see here, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who did what? Took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. That means that somebody had told them that there's a wedding and that they had to what? Show up. Anybody know anything about weddings in the past in Israel? Does anybody know the tradition of that? Nope. During this time, if there was a wedding in a town, guess what? The whole town did what? Showed up. Everybody was expected to attend the wedding. And also, just in case you guys didn't know, if you were responsible for hosting a wedding, that means Junior, you could be hosting his wedding. But as the host, you better not give a piece of junk. You better make sure that this wedding is laid out in its finest and that you don't run out of wine and that you don't run out of food and that you laid out. And guess what? The celebration lasted for an entire week. Chick-a-ching. So most of these families saved for a great number of years in order for this wedding to go off right. And tradition has it that some had even been jailed because they put on poor wedding feasts. So this was huge. So people just didn't rush to the altar, say, let's get married, and halfway do it. That's why the mamas and daddies took that time and said, are you sure? Okay? And they made sure everything was laid out. This is symbolic of what God is doing with Jesus. Jesus is God's wedding. Not only is he God's groom for us, but he's also the wedding what? Host. Uh-huh. Y'all didn't know that, did it? He planned the wedding for mankind. And then in Revelation chapter 19, it tells us, blessed is he who's called to the marriage supper of the lamb. Okay. So now what has happened, the Holy Spirit has sent out warnings to everybody, letters and tell them, come on, there's going to be a, a what? A wedding. Show up. Okay. This is pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? And so, as we look at this, obvious, Mr. Dave, this is a, a, a evening wedding, okay, that's going to go into the, into the night. So, you got to have your lamp. Jesus Christ is what? The light of the world. So, if he gave you light, you need to show up with what? Light. Are you hearing me? Remember what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 119? He said that your word is a... Say that again. Lamp unto my feet and a light unto my what? Path. Okay? So, in order to have your lamp, it had to have oil so that you could see where you are going. But if you're not prepared, you know how some people get just enough word so that they can, it can last them a little short, what? Wow. And then when that runs out, what happened to them? They're in trouble. You got it. 
Is this parable making any sense to anyone? You bet you. And so, now five of them were wise. Every mama loves a wise daughter. Amen? Amen. Every father loves a wise daughter. Okay, Junior, you got two of them. So hopefully they're getting the wisdom of their mother. And so it is her responsibility to pass it on. And the other part of that, some were what? Come on. Foolish. foolish. Sadly to say, sometimes even preachers have foolish what? Daughters. Come on. I'm not ashamed to say it. Preachers sometimes have kids who mess up. And do you think God is any what? Different? Nope. No. Sometimes God got children who are wise, and sometimes he has kids that are... Not wise. Yeah. Okay. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no what? Oil. All with them. And all in the Bible usually represent what, everybody? The Holy Spirit. The anointing of God upon your life. Okay? And you, and, and you know what? When you read in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost showed up, did he not? He showed up huge. Okay? And those disciples received the fire or the lamp of God upon them, did they not? Now, I want to ask you a question. Did you read the other 25 chapters in the book of Acts? Because if you would have read the other 25 chapters in the book of Acts, you'd have found out that they had to be refilled and refilled and refilled continuously of the Holy Ghost. Did they not? And so, why is it then that we in the 21st century don't go back to God and ask Jesus, say, Lord, can you fill me afresh with the Holy Ghost? Yeah, right? That's what happened to me often when I fall is that I have not gone back and got a fresh feeling, a fresh anointing, and you know what? When life circumstances come or temptations come, I fall on my face because I haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Folks, you need to be seeking God's Spirit over and over and over again. Because if you're not, what this story is going to tell you and I, it can be catastrophic for you. The end will not be what? Well. So, let's take a look. Those who were foolish took their lamps, took no oil with them, but the wise did what? They brought oil. Other words, they was getting what they needed. Amen? And they constantly sought Lord Jesus by for what? For a fresh feeling of God's spirit. Often. So when the bridegroom showed up, they had what? Oil. That means they were ready. Now, what is he saying so far to you and I, young people in the back? He's saying to you and I, get yourself together, get before God, and get your oil. Because you don't know when God is going to send Jesus back. And if you don't have your oil, let me tell you something. 
why it's important to have your oil to put in your lamps. Because the darkness is so great, you will not be able to find your way to him. Even though you will hear him from a distance, you will not be able to find your way to him. How many people you saw that used to come to church all the time, fellowship, and something happened, they stopped reading the word of God, they stopped praying, and they fell out of fellowship, and what happened? They, just, they went back just where they came from, as if God had never what? Saved them. Hello. And Lord Jesus had a word for it. He said the condition of that person is seven times worse than it was before. Why? Because they're now under demonic control. And it's seven times worse. Amen? So, <laughs> but while the bridegroom was delayed, is Jesus right now delayed? Of course he is. That's why he put the parable here, so you can know. If he's not delayed, he would already be here. That means God has not yet given him the word to what? To come back. So he's delayed. Now, why is that important for you all to see? While the bridegroom was delayed, otherwise God have not given word for Jesus to come back yet, they all slumbered and slept. You know what that means? That means sometimes people say, I got plenty of... No. Say it again, Junior. I got plenty of time to go and get my all. When in fact, you don't know when he's going to what? Show up. So how are you going to have time to go and get your all if you don't know when he's coming back? Why would you want to gamble like that? God gets me all the time and says, boy, you better straighten up. You need to have your all right there with you and your lamp ready to be what? Replenished or refilled all the time including in the daylight hour because he's not talking about night and day. He's talking about spiritual darkness and spiritual light. Amen? Amen. And at the midnight, hear this? At the midnight. Oh, some of these teenagers in here love to sleep at midnight, boy. And they still sleeping at 12 o'clock in the day. Okay, not just teenagers. I know a lot of folks like that bed. Okay? But here's what he's saying. In the midnight, there was a, what happened? There was a cry. They calling out. In other words, here's what would happen. A, 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 what do we call it, Mr. Day? A heller will go before the wedding. Okay, what is that? That's someone that will go in hell and tell you that the bridegroom is what? Right behind her. The bridegroom is coming, okay? And so the cry is gone out. It's the midnight hour now, and the cry is gone out that the bridegroom is on his way. Okay, he's no longer sitting at the house. It used to be in the old days in a, a, a Jewish wedding, that the crowd of people would go to the groom's house and get him and bring his butt to the 
winning. Okay? And they're having fun along the way. And somebody's shouting, the groom is coming, the groom is coming, the groom is coming. <laughs> For 2,000 years, the word of God has been saying, the groom is what? Coming. And we got to get ready. So he's saying, while we got time now, go get our oil. That means prepare ourselves now. Make sure we are right with God right now. Does it make sense to everybody? Okay, so behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. That means Maurice Nelson, it is not time to go and be cooking for the great outdoors. There's no time to be trying to go on a date. Okay? It's no time to run to the ATM to get money to get oil. God said, now is a time of salvation. Right now. Now is a time to be saved. Not tomorrow, not an hour from now, but right what? Right now. Don't delay it. That's right. Stop playing with God. If you're not saved, get saved right now. Amen. Because I, I'm sure, I believe some people are going to be saved moments before Christ returns, and they don't even know he's returning, but yet yield to the Holy Spirit and gave their life to him, and bam, there he is. Yep. And they get the same reward if somebody had been saved for 1,000 years. Amen? Amen? And so... Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. All right, listen to this very carefully now. It's very important that the world hear this explanation from the Lord of his word. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. You cannot live on somebody else's salvation. You can't live off somebody else's faith. You got to walk with the Lord yourself. You've got to be saved yourself. Parents, we grieve for our kids. We want them saved. We pray for them. We Sometimes we yell at them, get right with Jesus. Okay? But guess what? That won't get them saved unless they themselves yield to the Spirit of God. When the Spirit began to knock, I told you all, David said these words and Paul repeated them. In the day of provocation, do not harden your heart. That means when the Spirit is speaking, you get right right then. You don't wait. Period. You got too much to lose to wait. Amen. And that's what these virgins, these five virgins are about to experience. They have too much to lose. And God is not talking about your house. He's not talking about your car. He's not talking about your job. The greatest thing that you have to lose is your soul. Are you hearing me? So they ask, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Were they not selfish? They want someone else to use their resources upon them, but they themselves didn't care enough to go out and get their own oil to meet the bridegroom. Folks, that also shows Jesus how much they don't love him. 
when they don't take the time themselves to go to Jesus, who is the all of God, and be refilled. So it says a lot about their relationship with the bridegroom. Because you can only get the oil from him. Jesus told the church of Lacedaemon in the book of Revelation chapter 3, he said, go out and buy for me gold that's been tried in the fire. What? That means you go and sell yourself and make yourself pure by the blood of Jesus. Okay? Because God is a consuming fire. He purifies people. Listen, verse 9. But the wise answered, saying, No. This is one time you have the God-given right to tell a person, I'm not giving you anything. You messed around all this time and expect God to make us give you what we have. No. When you should have been getting it yourself. Okay, long time ago. Lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Here's what's interesting, what that comment is saying. God's gas station is closed. Huh? <laughs> and if you find it open, you're not going to get back in time. I know that happened to me on a couple of appointments. You look at the gas needles and all of a sudden it's on E. And then you got to shoot to the gas station and get gas. And by the time you show up to your appointment, the doors are closed. And you just go, tongue cornered. Or like Shelly said, you just keep driving by. Keep going. Okay? In disappointment. And that's what's going to happen on that day. Let's keep it going. And it says, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom did what? Came. He showed up. When you go looking for God and the doors of heaven has been closed to salvation, it's going to be what? Too late. Well, God's going to always save. I don't know what church you've been going to, and I don't know what Bible you've been, been reading, but the Bible tells me right here that there's a time in which God's going to cut it off. He's going to what? Stop it. Because he's given men enough time to get what? To get ready. So, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Couple of things here. Another thing that when you trim your lamp with oil and it's burning, it also allows the bridegroom to do what? To see you. And you remember Jesus in his first sermon in Matthew chapter 5? He said, Do your good works before what? Men. That's one of your favorite passages of scripture, Miss Vicky. He says, so that men could do what? See your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, in that same context there, Jesus says a couple of things there. He said, you are the salt of the earth, right? 
And then he turns around and tell you and I, he said, you are the light of the world. Okay? He says, so let your light shine. Does you take your light and put it on a bushel basket? He said, no. You take it and place it on a table so it can light up the whole what? Whole room or the whole world. I wonder if a lot of Christians are walking around with bushel baskets over their heads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he's telling you and I to let this lamp shine, but don't let it go what? Out. Don't stop what he's called you to do. Don't stop living for him. But in order to keep you going in this life journey, you must refill your lamps. Like I did in the wee hours of this morning before the Lord and the Lord was giving me fresh oil because I had fallen and I needed to be lifted up before the Lord. So, verse 11, after the other versions came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. So they know who he is. By, by saying that, they know who he is. But he answered and said, surely I say to you, I do not know you. And to me, those are the saddest, world, saddest words in all the world. When Lord Jesus himself says to someone, I do not know you. In Matthew chapter 7, we also see him saying that words at the end of the journey on the broad way. And said, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and that? And they said, who are you? Who are you? Sad words, right? Don't let that be you. And I certainly don't want it to be me. Amen. So it tells you again in verse 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, those words are words of warning. Stop playing around and get ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about for salvation right now. I'm talking about his return. Get ready, get ready, get ready, because he's coming back again. Amen. Amen? We cannot live this life as if Lord Jesus is not coming back. And the next parable he gives us, anybody like that, anybody ever gone to the money exchange and exchange, exchange money before? I know you have. Anybody else? I, I have and Belinda have. When we were overseas, we had to go and exchange money from U.S. currency to German money. And then depending on what their exchange rate is, we made money or we lost money. <laughs> Most of the time when it came to American money, we lost money. Okay? But I got wise enough to go to a German friend, and he took it to his bank, and we gained money. Okay? And so, here, here, here's what you got to do. Listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ said in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one. Let's stop there for a moment and talk about those talents. That means, Mr. David, what God has called you to do here has not called me to do. He may call you to do much more than what he's called me to do. Okay, then he may get entirely those two talents. 
and Tali uh, uh, may not have as much abilities or, or, or skills and talents as you, but God says he's still got enough to do work in his what? Kingdom. Okay, and then he goes to Brother Million, he look at him and say, oh, okay, we'll just give you one because you're slow. Nah, <laughs> just messing with Brother Million. But however, the thing is still the same. He gave one five, one two, one one, right? In either case, all three men are supposed to go and put that money to work for the Lord. So when he returned, he would have some kind of interest on his money. So he made a profit, right? Yeah. What does that mean? That means you cannot sit idle. You got a lot of work to do, brother, because it said to whom much is given, much is what? Required. Okay. And then you that got two, you still got to work just as hard because you got to go find a place in which he can make money. Okay. And then the one that has the one talent got to also go out there and find a marketplace where he can invest that money and get a return for his master. Okay? So all three of them in this life journey have got to be working for the Lord. All right? Now, let's put that in perspective where you and I can understand it today. Do not sit idle on God. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for his church to be lazy. Amen. Okay? And that's why we got a plan. And we're going to work that plan because God did not call WOC to be lazy. Okay. You look around you. I want you from this moment forward to see these, 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 these chairs, these seats filled to capacity. Okay. Because the Lord do not lack lazy people. Lazy people does not expand the kingdom. And we're going to see that in, the, in this parable. Now, as we're moving right along, he said, uh, Then who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So this guy is out there working, or this girl is out there working for the kingdom of God and producing fruit, just as Lord Jesus would tell. And, uh, and, you know, this since this came out... Uh, he will also tell them this in a couple of days in another way in John chapter 15. On the night in which he was betrayed, Mr. Dave, just, just a few days into the future, Lord Jesus will tell them, you did not choose me, but I chose you. For you to go out and do what? To produce fruit and that your fruit shall remain. That, that is his teaching on, he said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Okay, and by, abide in me and I abide in you. With me, you can do what? Okay, and so he, he's, he's really given a heartfelt teaching here to these men sitting there in Jerusalem. And... As he continued, the one that had five went out and received what? Five. And likewise, the one who had received two gained two also. So he now have four, right? Because he went to work for the Lord. He didn't say, Lord, I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to evangelize. I don't know how to tell my story. That's not what the case here is. Because if the Lord Jesus Christ gave you five talents, gave you two talents, and gave you one talent, he had faith in you to know that you know how to do what you're supposed to do. Go out and do it, okay? And so these were not novice workers. No matter how many talents they had, they knew what they were commissioned to do by our Lord, and one fell to do it. We're going to see that here. That's what's coming up next.
And then he goes on to tell you, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. In other words, folks, there's a day of judgment, a day of accountability when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to show up and say, what did you do with your life? What did you do? What did you do with the skills and talents I gave you? What did you do with those? Well, I, 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 well, I did this and I did that. Well, uh-uh. I did nothing. Okay? That's not what he wants to hear. Now, here's a cross-reference that you can mark in your Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Here's what the Apostle Paul told the church in Rome. He said, the calling and gifts of God are irrevocable. In other words, when God called you, he's not going to change his mind. When God equipped you, he's not going to take it back. Okay? He said, you don't get off the hook that easy. You do not get off the hook that easy. That's what I understand, retired preachers. I said, you, what? Retired preachers. You know when the apostles retired? When they went to the grave. Amen? It's hot in here, isn't it? But it's hotter in hell. Now, as we look at this, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have given or gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful what? Servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. And into the joy of your Lord, he also who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things and into the joy of your Lord. So the guy with five got five more. So he presented 10 to his master. The guy that had two, Gained two more, he presented four to his master. Both got equal types of rewards. The Lord increased their responsibility, did he not? By making them ruler over much, much more. So possibly that the one that brought 10 now had what? 20. And the one that had four probably ended up over something with equivalent to eight. Okay? So you don't know what the Lord's going to do with your life in the future. Because to whom much is given, much is required. You got to work, you got to work, you got to work. When I went to school, how do you think I learned just about everything in all those books? Because the Lord said, open them up and study them. And study hard and study long. I put a lot of hours into studying. And you say, well, how does he know the word of God like he does? Because whom much is given, much is what? Required. You have got to work for God. It's not just a walk in the park, everybody, and it's certainly not an apple pie. You have got to work for the kingdom of God. And when you do, God will give you the rewards. Okay? Now, what happened to the guy that only had one talent? What did he get? 
Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Otherwise, he began to blame God. It's your fault. What? It's your fault that I didn't go out and work for you. You're too hard to work for. Don't you see people like that all the time making excuses to God that why they can't do what God has called them to do? We see it all the time telling Jesus people, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not trained like you. I'm not trained like you. And the Holy Ghost going, you're right. You're not trained like him. I trained you differently. Now get your butt out there and do it. Amen. But people all the time going, brother, I can't do that. I can't do that, sister. Now, look what the Lord would say to him. So he told the Lord, he said, you're a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Another word for scattering seed there is broadcasting. Okay? Oh, well, you got to get out there and sling that word out there because you don't know who's going to grab it, right? Yep. And I was afraid... And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Isn't that kind of symbolic of what Judas did with the 30 pieces of silver? He went and threw them back at him. Huh? You see that? Everybody here can tell somebody about Jesus. That's right. Okay? If you can talk clear enough, you can tell someone about Jesus. Amen? Amen. And we don't have to keep making excuses. And Lord knows nobody does it better than Miss Marie. Sometimes I get scared to where she go and approach people <laughs> because she's so bold and courageous. And I mean, she up in big guys' faces. Do you love Jesus? And whatever answer, and Lord and behold, don't let the person say no. Why not? He loves you. And I'm going, please don't hit her. Because if you hit her, then I got to get stupid. And so, but she has a heart of gold, no matter how direct she is, let me tell you, that sister getting some talent, she's getting some return on the money the Lord has given her. Amen. 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 You're a husband and you sometimes don't understand it, do you? That's right. But yet, the dividends keep coming in, don't they? They're coming in. You don't know what kind that you're getting either, but God knows. God knows. And so, listen to what the Lord said. He says, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming would have received back my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have, what, abundance? But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gashing of teeth. Uh, let, let me tell you something. That is a mouthful. That means Matthew Nelson. Every person that is saved, Jesus gives a talent. Now determine by him how many talents he will what? Give you. But if you do don't do anything with that talent, you're going to have to give an account on the day of judgment. And I'm here to tell you, it is hard pressed for Sammy Nelson to believe that a person that is saved don't want to share Jesus with someone else. 
And I see it all the time. All the time, Christians are afraid to open their mouth to someone else about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know, is it fear that they may offend somebody or that they might get in trouble or, or fear that they can't talk to a stranger? I don't know what kind of foolishness the devil has put in their minds. But Jesus said, here's a talent. Go and earn me some interest. And the only way you can do that is get out there in the harvest field and what? Work and bring in the interest. And the interest is somebody else. Bring them in. Junior, if you work for the next 25 years sharing the gospel and only one person gets saved, guess what? That is to your credit before the Lord. Sometimes Jesus tells you and I, and I'll say the next, next one for next week. We'll have a third part to this and we'll close out that sermon series on this one. Sometime, Deacon, you're going to go and share the gospel and you're not going to get anybody. And other times you'll go and as soon as you open your mouth, the Spirit gives that person life and that person received Jesus. Amen? Amen. So Jesus said, you will reap a harvest that you did not plant. You will reap the benefits of other men's labor. Other guys and gals could have been out there for years witnessing to this person. And all of a sudden, you come along and boom, the person gets saved. Okay? Like Jesus said, through the Apostle Paul, one plant and the other one does what? Water. But who has the increase? God. But we don't know which one works. One of us has got to plant the seed. Other one have got to pour water on it. Okay? But God's going to make it grow. But you get a credit on your account for doing it. Okay? You get a credit. And may not necessarily be witnessing, but it could be teaching. Some of you have incredible teaching skills. Hey, I'll gladly sit aside on Tuesdays if somebody else want to teach the Bible. My only requirement is you better know what you're talking about. Isn't that right, Mr. David? Guess who is as skilled in the Bible as I am? He's going, no, I'm not. Yes, he is. He is pretty doggone sharp. Yes, he is. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> now, I'm not saying he called you to teach the Bible, brother. That's not what I'm saying. And there's all kind of gifts and talents in the Bible that the Bible called gifts. The gifts of the? You betcha. And so those are talents. If you're not out there exercising those spiritual gifts, guess what, folks? You're not going out to invest in the Lord's money. Okay? If you got the gift of healing and you're not out there praying for six folk to be healed, guess what you're not doing? 
You're not la- sir. You're not doing it. You're, you're not doing it. If you got the gift of discerning spirits, other words, knowing when demonic spirits are present, if you're not out there allowing the Holy Ghost to use you for that, guess what? You're sitting on that gift. You're sitting on that talent. Are the working of miracles? Because there is one, isn't it? Yes, and languages, and what about faith? Some people have the gift of faith. They just know God's going to move this mountain. Okay? I think my wife have that gift, because she tell me all the time, God's going to do this. She said, why don't you? I, I can imagine sometimes she's probably thinking, what's wrong with you, man? You know the word of God better than most people, and you don't think God's going to do this? Yeah. Well, that's probably because she, got, she has the gift of faith, and I don't. <laughs> okay? I have the gift of teaching. Well, what's another one? What about the gifts of prophecy? Speaking the word when God said to Junior or your wife. Well, you did you know that in the Bible days, in the time of King Josiah, there was a female prophet, and they sought her out, and she told them what God had said was going to happen to Josiah. And did you know that it not come to pass? It did come to pass exactly the way she received it from the Lord, that Josiah would be killed early so that God, so he wouldn't see the punishment that God was going to bring on Judah and Jerusalem. And boy, did he bring some stuff on Judah and Jerusalem. Are y'all aware of that? Y'all know what God brought on them? I'm looking at the time. No, I'm not feeling time. I'm teaching you for a moment. The Babylonians. If you know what the Babylonians did, that was something else. The United States hadn't experienced anything like that. I don't think any nation has experienced anything like that. Do you? Not what the Babylonians did to Israel. That was something else, Mr. David. Did you read the account on that? Read the book of Jeremiah. Boy, that was some stuff. I'm, I'm just coming to that part. It's something. It's starting to open your eyes, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And Jeremiah begged them for years. Turn back to God. Turn back to God. Turn back. And they hated him for it. Even put him in stocks in the dungeon down there where the mire was. You know what mire is, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are tracking. And so, come on up, Miss Vicki. Um, don't, little kids, I love this bunch of children right here. Uh, let me tell you why I love this bunch of children. Jeremiah, when I sit to teach them the word of God and I began to quote God's word to them, don't you know they finished my sentences? Don't you know that this boy right here that's sitting up here asleep, unfortunately, <laughs> he, this boy knows the word of God like crazy. When you look at Tucker, where Tucker at with his talking cell? Tucker. Tucker has understanding of scripture. 
that most adults do not have. And he and I sit, just the two of us sometime, and we would talk, everybody. And I get blown away. How old is he? Nine. <laughs> he looked like he's five. I know. But anyway, I would sit there, and I would just get mesmerized by this child. And then Michaela. Michaela can teach the Word of God. I sit there and say, Michaela, and she often asked me, Dad, can I teach Bible study? And go, yeah. And I don't know, even though I'm sitting at my computer, it doesn't make seem like I'm paying attention, but am I paying attention, kids? Yeah. Yeah. Because I... But to me, that's the greatest thing we can do. I want to I want to testify about our kids for a moment. Michaela yeah. yeah. can bring that bring the word of God. Like I'm sitting there, Mr. David, and I'm going, look at this 10-year-old child. She's 11 now. Teach the word of God as good as any adult I know. And as bad as Matthew is. He don't want any child misbehaving when he teaches. <laughs> but he, he misbehaves when others are teaching. But nevertheless, in spite of those little shortcomings, and they're okay with God, okay? These babies are getting what's right in the eyes of God. Aiden is another good teacher. Skylar taught David and Goliath in class, the whole class. And see, that's what I'm talking about. These little children you are solid pillars of Jesus Christ on earth and a year ago Abby and Emma came to us you remember Mr. David a year ago and those babies didn't know anything about the word of God and let me tell you just sit and talk to them and they will argue with you and tell you, no, 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 it's this. I'm going, wait a minute, I thought, wait a minute, I thought I had the Bible degrees. <laughs> but, and then there's a 17-year-old sitting back there. Three years ago, he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. I mean, absolutely nothing. But the Lord kept chipping away at his heart. Not with meanness, but with love. And last Sunday we did what, Mr. David? We baptized them. Look at Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Y'all said, man. Now that'll make me want to cry like brother. And me, you'll feel weeping. <laughs> Do you see what's happening, Junior? We may not be speaking to crowds of tens of thousands, but the kingdom is affected in here. I, I see Jesus doing an amazing work. And the last thing I'll say to you all, I remember going to Mr. David's house one day, and he took out a guitar, and Miss Marie said, oh, he can play the guitar, and he had one or two strands, and Mr. David never knew, I thought, like this. This was about four or five years ago. And uh, I heard him plucking him going, boy, he didn't know I was thinking, I'm going, boy, that's horrible. I don't think this guy can play. Until about a year ago, he started playing in here. 
And I go, what? He must have was playing with me that night at his house. Because that's not the same guy sitting there playing. He is a true professional guitar player. Junior, have you heard him really listen to him play? And he's playing for the Lord. He, he's, he's not in a nightclub anymore. He, he's in the house of God playing for the glory of God. Oh, rascal? <laughs> yes. Uh, he can... You can play with Eric Clapton or any of those guys, top guitar players in the world. But you're playing for Jesus. So all of us have a testimony to Jones. This young man, and I'll close with this. This young man is hungry for God's word. Yes, you, Mr. Jones. He has a zeal to know. And I keep telling him, when you quit running, I'm here. You heard me tell him, Miss Jones, when you quit running, I'm here. Because I want to teach you. I want to teach you everything I know. And I'm going to bust your skull. Because I'm going to challenge you. Okay? If you will come and get under my stewardship to teach you God's word, I promise you, I'll be Apostle Paul to you. I will teach you everything the Spirit has taught me. And you will learn it, because I will make sure. And as soon as I can get her husband tied down, he's another one, but he just, I got to get his mind back focused. All right, the baby saying, preacher, shut up, it's time to go home. We're supposed to go to a, um, to Mary's house this afternoon. Work on the float for those that are gonna go. I gotta go home and change clothes and get my electric drill. But to God be the glory. Is everybody okay with what the Lord did here today? Yeah. I know I am. Can you just bow your head for a moment and tell him thank you? Listen to the melody of the song that Miss Vicky is playing. This is wonderful. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done. I know in my life, Lord Jesus, what you did for me. Lord, I'm surprised that I'm still alive today. But because of your mercy and your grace, you have me here today. And I'm praying, Father, that your sons and daughters that are sitting here will trust you also. Even in the most difficult moments of their life and even when things are going well, we have a tendency to forget you. But I pray, Father God, that no one here will forget you. And I believe they will not. So now, Lord, help us to have the courage to step out on faith, Lord Jesus, to go out into this world to be your witness. Continue to watch over Miss Marie and Crystal and Sister Vicky, Lord God, and we know that you've done a work there. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I believe it's already done, Miss Vicky. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for the finished work of the cross. And we know that you're coming back again. You're the only way in which men could be saved by placing their trust in you, Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. Keep us, O oh God, until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.